This episode is brought to you in part by The Table Podcast from the Hendricks Center at Dallas Theological Seminary. I'm Daryl Bach, one of the hosts, and I invite you to join us as we discuss issues of God and culture, which includes anything and everything. Listen on your podcast app or at dts.edu slash the table. This episode is brought to you in part by Palm Beach Atlantic University's fully online Certificate in Cultural Apologetics program. Learn how to show the reasonableness and desirability of the gospel from leading Christian philosophers. For more information, go to pbaapologetics.com. Hello, this is Russell Moore, and you're listening to a short bonus uh, episode of the Christianity Today Public Theology Project's Russell Moore Show with Professor Stephen Prothero, uh, who you'll be hearing uh, an episode with him on issues of cremation and death and burial and, and how those practices are changing in American life uh, elsewhere uh, on the program. But today, I wanted to talk to him about a, a very fascinating book that he wrote Uh, several years ago. I don't have it right in front of me, but why liberals always win the culture wars or why liberals win the culture wars. It's, it's, it's one of the two. We'll have it linked in the, in the uh, cover art uh, here. Uh, But I wanted to talk to him about um, how his thesis there stands up with some of the recent developments uh, as it comes to Roe versus Wade and abortion and where he sees that debate uh, going. So, Professor Prothero, thanks so much for for talking to us about this with the news that has come out that uh, it looks as though uh, Roe versus Wade is not going to reach its 50th uh, birthday. It will be uh, gone and the abortion debate will now transfer to uh, the states and then also to national debates, um, but in a different way uh, without Roe. Uh, has that changed your um, understanding of of um, liberals tending to be the winners in these culture war disputes, or 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 is this just something you see as momentary? Yeah, you're always trying to get me to admit when I'm when I'm wrong. Is that <laughs> is that what's happening? It's happening here again. Um, so I would say I would say no. Uh, in this case, I think that. Uh, I think in terms of winning the culture wars, you know, the culture wars are more battles of hearts and minds, right? And Mm -hmm. I think the key question there is, where are Americans on the question of abortion? And the polling, I don't think, is particularly changing based on how the Supreme Court uh, is going, seemingly going to uh, act to overturn Roe. Um, I did say in the book, I haven't talked about the book in a while, but I'm pretty sure I talk in the book about abortion being a sort of uh, special case, you know, in in a lot of the culture wars um, questions, because you can see a real strong trajectory toward uh, liberalization on so many culture wars questions that we don't even really, in many cases, even think about anymore. They're so far, you know, in the past. Uh, But but abortion has always been so fraught and so tricky because it's tied up in so many political, theological, you know, religious, cultural, economic, 
racial questions, you know? Um, and so, so that's a place where, you know, the polling, I think I talked about in the book, the polling really depends, uh, polling results really depend on how you ask the question, uh, you know, about abortion, about pro-life, about pro-choice. Do you ask it about road? Do you ask it, you know, um, should, do you include, you know, rape and incest as times when abortion would be allowed, stuff like that. Um, so, but, you know, as I understand it, you know, the polling is Americans are more than half of Americans are generally in favor of Roe v. Wade, more than half. Of, I mean, a slight, slightly more than half, right? Um, you, you may have your fingers better on this data, but, um, but I just, uh, I think you can lose, you can lose in the Supreme Court without losing the culture war, if that makes sense. If you think about the culture wars as more, uh, more about what do Americans in general think. Um, but, you know, there is a, there is a, you know, legislative and judicial part of this too. And I think we do see the victories, the culture war victories going more leftward than, than rightward. So this could be portent of, of things to come. Do you think uh, there there are many who are speculating because Obergefell is is mentioned at least in the as you and I are recording this the draft that uh, we've seen uh, from uh, Justice Alito uh, mentions Obergefell and there are many people saying well what's going to happen is this is the beginning and we're going to see the end of Obergefell of. Uh, Lawrence v. Kansas of of several of these uh, decisions that were key culture war uh, moments. Do you think that's the case? Or is it that because of what you just mentioned, that abortion has been sort of an outlier uh, in, in terms of liberalization in the public mind, uh, that, 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 that these won't uh, affect one another? So one of the tricky, th- and I'm not an expert on the Supreme Court, but one of the tricky things is that the Supreme Court is responsive to public opinion. Right. I mean, historically, it has been responsive to public opinion. And um, it's typically been a lagger rather than a leader with public opinion. And there is no uprising in the United States now against uh, gay marriage. Like there there just isn't. And the polling is is moving toward, you know, acceptance of that way way toward very different Mm -hmm. from abortion. Um. And certainly with questions about the limitations on contraception and these things that are coming up, if, if we get rid of the right to privacy, you know, are we also getting rid of, you know, the right to contraception, um, which has been defended in the past on right to, right to privacy grounds? That's certainly people that, you know, so I think part of what's going on here is, you know, the assumption that I was under when I wrote my Culture Wars book was that the United States was a largely democratic society in which, in which the presidency and the legislature and the judiciary were all to some extent responsive to what Americans as a whole wanted. And why I saw abortion as a kind of special case was because the country was so divided on that question in terms of the populace. But one thing that's happened with um, our former president and with this new Supreme Court is that there are very powerful anti-democratic and by that, I mean people who don't really want to have elections, you know, people who don't really want to have free and fair elections, people who are aligning more with strong men around the world who um, are, you know, moving in a more populous direction where um, and and often based on some kind of religious nationalism. 
And so I think to me, that's the question, you know, is the Supreme Court really going to be a anti-democratic institution um, where it is moving the country away from where the the populace typically is. And of course, this is part of its job, right? It's supposed to protect minority rights in certain ways, yeah. right? So so it should be able to say, everybody in America hates Catholics, but we're going to, you know, we're going right. to, you know, give Catholics some freedom of religion, right? right. So it's a tricky, it, you know, it's a tricky uh, balance in terms of that, uh, that issue. But I think that, that for me, I mean, I think the row question. And, and one could, and one could yeah. argue that what's happening is actually a move towards greater uh, democratic responsibility because uh, people are going to have to argue these issues out with their elected representatives uh, in their in their states rather than having it simply settled by Supreme Court decision. Yes, but also, of course, our representatives in the Senate and the and the U.S. House of Representatives are also you know elected representatives. Yeah. Um, and and we do think rightly or wrongly and maybe increasingly wrongly we think of the um we think of the legitimacy of justices as inhering in the legitimacy of the presidency and the legitimacy of the senate with its you know its um right to um you know consent to uh the nominees uh, for the supreme court so yeah i mean i think <laughs> I think it can. It could be said. I think it could be said that when Roe was decided, that it was anti-democratic in the sense that well, there wasn't yet a consensus in the country about this, and it, and the states were all debating it and they were passing laws about it, um, and that it and you know and people have argued on the left as well that this was a real this was a real um, people have argued on the left that this was a real difficulty. Uh, in some ways for the Democrats because things were kind of going in their direction and all of a sudden it really mobilized, uh, you know, the right. And then it maybe, maybe gave us Ronald Reagan and maybe gave us the conservative conservative revolution of the 1980s. You know, um, it's hard to know. What I loved most of all about Israel and why I became a Zionist was because Zionism was a rejection of victimhood. A few weeks ago on CT's The Bulletin, we launched Promised Land, a new podcast about Israel and Palestine in a post-October 7th world. 6.30 a.m., we're, we're in, in, in our synagogue praying, and sirens go off, and they're, and they're going on. Based on interviews and conversations captured on the ground in Israel last November, it's an exploration of the spiritual, political, and historical roots of the conflict. When there's a weak Israel, every Jew in the world is weak. And why should uh, a Russian Jew who has nothing to do with this land come, come here? Why? Well, I mean, if you want, you can give them Texas. You love them so much. I am alive because I wasn't, I, I didn't come home. But hey, all my friends that were here were murdered. Here, here, over there. This week, Promised Land moves to its own feed. You'll find links in the show notes, so if you haven't heard it yet, you can go catch up and catch the new episodes as they come all in one place. Life is unpredictable. I think all of us learn that. Sometimes we learn it in good ways. Sometimes we learn it in really hard ways. You're valuable to Christianity Today. 
and we want you to be prepared and protected. And one of the ways that that can happen is by having a will and getting a will together for your family and to care for your loved ones. If you've already set up your will and other important estate planning documents, that's great. But if you haven't, Christianity Today has partnered with Epic Will to easily and affordably walk you through the whole process of creating a legally binding and state-specific will in as little as 10 minutes. You owe it to yourself and your loved ones to take this vital step, and you can get started today by visiting morect.com slash will. That's more with just one O, ct.com slash will. And for a limited time, you can get 10% off. That's morect.com slash will. I was talking to someone just yesterday who disagrees with me on abortion. I'm, uh, of course, pro-life on abortion and have been uh, all my life. But uh, this person disagrees with me. We're having a a very uh, reasoned conversation about some of these issues. And he said, it seems to me that this is the imposition of Christianity um, on the American public, to which I said, you know, we can have a disagreement here, but that that's an unfair charge uh, because I'm motivated to care about preborn children because I'm a Christian, but that's not uh, in the same way that I'm motivated to pay attention and care about migrant children or refugees uh, because I'm a Christian, but that doesn't make them uh, people uh, by, by my believing that. It just is, is that I'm paying attention to them. So that argument, I think, say if you're, if you're going to make that argument, you're going to lose a lot of people who who are going to say, well, hey, we're, we're actually, we're arguing about whether we're dealing with two people or one uh, when we're talking about, uh, about rights here. And um, I know that there are, uh, there are many people who don't understand what you just said about uh, where the American public is and that there has to be not just legal changes, but hearts and minds conversations as well, uh, who are likely to misfire on, on my side in terms of this debate. If you, I know you're not a psychic and you can't predict uh, uh, with complete accuracy where things are going, but if you had to guess, and you say, where is this particular culture war uh, argument going? A number of options. Uh, one is that Roe being gone uh, sort of eases the culture war, not not immediately, but but later, it eases the culture war dispute over uh, abortion. Uh, or what we have happening is that as more and more states um, restrict abortion or outlaw abortion, maybe uh, nationally at some point as well, that a uh, the American public changes along with that as they have on on so many other things and we end up with a more or less uh, pro-life country or what happens is that there's such an uh, such a backlash to some of these measures especially the more controversial uh, ones that we've seen that you actually end up with a more uh, an American populace more supportive of legal abortion than before. Which of those do you think is the more most likely uh, scenario? I think it's more likely that it will lead to greater support for legal abortion hmm. um, because I think it will mobilize. I mean, the, the religious right has been way more mobilized on this than, than the left, mm-hmm. right? 
Um, and, and the left has liberals and the left have seen it as a, f- a fight that was, was won and that needed to be defended, but, mm. but, um, they didn't see themselves as the aggrieved party. And as we know from watching conservatism in the U S over the last 40, 50 years, part of the power there has been being aggrieved, right? That, 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 that. The society is against us. It's a secular humanist society. You know, we're, we're, you know, just trying to do what we think is right and what we think is biblical. And we're being stymied at every corner. Um, so I think it will mobilize the left. I think it will mobilize the um, pro-choice people. And uh, that would be, uh, that would be my guess. Um, mm. But... But I do think this country is so polarized. And uh, in some ways, this is just making plain that polarization. I mean, the fact that that we had Roe v. Wade didn't didn't solve the problem. I don't think this is going to this is going to solve the problem either. Stephen Prothero, who has been writing on these issues of culture wars for a long time. Thanks so much for uh, for joining us to to talk for a little while about these uh, developments. Yeah, I always enjoy it. Thank you. And this is Russell Moore. You're listening to The Russell Moore Show. Click on the cover art and you can have um, access to more resources, including how to get a copy of uh, the book that Professor Prothero wrote on this topic. See you next time. The Russell Moore Show is a production of Christianity Today. Eric Petrick is our chief creative officer. Russell Moore is the executive producer and our host. Mike Cosper is our director of podcasts. Administration for CT by Christine Kolb, Pam Vodanova, and Abby Perry. Production assistance by Core Media. Beth Grabencourt, coordinator. Kevin Duthu, producer and sound mixer. Our theme song is Dusty Delta Day by Lennon Hudden. If you like what you heard today, please consider subscribing so you don't miss any future episodes.